This is the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Chris. When we talk about spiritual disciplines, it's important to remember that growth doesn't happen overnight. We often, in our Western American culture, want things now. It's the fast food drive-in of everyday life. We want things when we want them. But spiritual disciplines cause us to pause and reflect and become patient with waiting for that growth. And in this episode, Chase talks to us about what a long obedience looks like. And it's a great transition from our last conversation where we looked at the spiritual discipline of writing. And so Chase begins by talking a little bit about his writing process. And we get to look at how exactly obedience over a long period of time, specifically with the spiritual disciplines, ends up impacting our life for a lifetime of growth. What have you done? Um, I'm, I'm personally curious um, as to what your writing habits and routines do look like. It's not probably sitting by the fireplace like you said, but how have you been able to make space and time for writing and what has that discipline done? Uh, I'm going to follow that question up by what has incorporating this discipline done for your other spiritual disciplines? Yeah, I so my routine, there's lots of people that have different routines or talk about getting into writing. Um, a lot of them are proponents of the write every day or hit a word count every day. I'm going to write a thousand words. Um, maybe someday that'll work. I mean, that's just to the point about a, a family, and I'm actually a bivocational pastor, so I, I have a job, and then I also have the church, and then uh, I have my family. And so, you know, there's most days I don't write, to be totally honest, but I try to think about seasons of writing. So, um, when I am working on something that's that's like a book or something that I think will be public, then I try to work that into a, to a, a time period to carve out time within a few weeks, a few months, a season where I know I'm going to be working on it. Um, and that, that's been more sustainable for me. Um, uh, anytime I feel like, oh, I didn't get my writing in today, therefore, like, I need to feel guilty. My identity's cracking. I'm not going to be the writer I want. Like, that just carries you to a bad place really quick. Now, that being said, I think I do a lot more writing in my head or thinking about writing than probably shows up in that time. And if you went through my notes app on my phone or my computer, I'm constantly jotting down. Um, usually the way I'll work is I work off of an outline. Some people just write sort of free thought and figure out where the structure is, I tend to write off of an outline. And so I'm constantly sort of adding to that and editing that. And I'm sitting waiting on, you know, something at a doctor's office or somewhere, and I'm looking at it, paying attention to it. So um, that's a big part of my process is just thinking, working, and then when I can set aside seasons to be able to do the actual writing itself. I think that's good for spiritual disciplines as a whole. God tends to do things in our lives in seasons anyway. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot lately because I've, I've been pressuring myself to write more than I than I have. And, and what you were talking about earlier, as far as resting where we're at, finding our identity, where God's put us in the moment, really helped me kind of process through some of the stuff that I've been thinking about myself. We we tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform all of the spiritual disciplines every day for. 10 minutes each and make sure that we check all the boxes as far as all the spiritual disciplines are concerned because that's what it takes to develop spiritually when really it, it I'm I'm coming to find that it's more about how God leads us through different seasons in life and sometimes for me anyway that's writing other times it's prayer and intense bible reading I guess ebbs and flows is a a good way to to describe it as as God leads me through these different seasons of life and 
kids make that really tough. And so you got to work around that. But I think God does his thing in our lives through seasons, knowing that we, there will be times when we have young kids that demand our attention 25 hours a day and other times when we have more time to do other things. I love that line. Uh, Eugene Peterson has the book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And I think about it with writing quite a bit because uh, one of the things I'll say on the podcast is if you're going to do it, you have to learn to love the process of it, not just the end result. Uh, writers love to have written. They love to be done, right, to have something to show for it. But that's the part that will drive you absolutely mad because it can take so long. The process takes so long. You never quite feel like you're done no matter what. So if you can learn to just appreciate doing it today and what comes out of it today, then you really create something that you can continue to do. And I think you're exactly right. I do think that is like all of the spiritual disciplines, like all of growing in faith, is learning to say, I don't have this end goal that I'm trying to achieve by this certain date. I've put it on my calendar. I've worked out a routine to get there. For some things, that's good. But when it comes to what God is doing in me, I really only have the choice of patiently responding to today what he has before me, to taking it as seriously as I can, to sensing what he's doing in it, and then showing up the next day to do the same, trusting that God is leading this discipleship, this process, this deepening of faith far more than I could ever plot it out on a calendar or some sort of spreadsheet. I think that's great. That's absolutely, absolutely correct. How do you, you're, you said you're bivocational, what are your vocations? Uh, is, so uh, I, pastoring. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> The church, yeah, is number one. And then I also am a freelance web designer and developer, so I do that. Um, and then the podcast is hardly a vocation. I think you have to make money for that, right? But it's a, uh, it's sort of the third area of my life. And so how, how, how are you transferring this, all of this life transformation, all of this uh, sort of discovery for yourself that you've made, how, how are you giving that? then to your church um what is that process like do you have do you have a process let me let me start with that because i i know how you feel about pastors casting uh visions for the church and sort of trying to control and steer everything maybe you can speak to that first and then we can move into uh maybe what your goals are as far as discipling um those in your church sure so i i can sort of walk it backwards um Samson did a really poor job of planning his own life because he just was not very accurate at predicting what he thought was coming. He, he, the things he sensed tended to be wrong. He would have been better to have just done what God had put in for it in the scheme we had. Um, I keep finding that to be true in my own life, too. Like, no matter what I imagine as my identity or my calling or my future or this image of myself someday in success, um, really all that's come out of that is discontentment with what I have and sort of uh, desperation and depression that it's not coming fast enough. So what I found is there's far more joy, far more depth of spirituality and just embracing what I have. So keep walking that. Um, when it comes to a church, it would feel very strange for me to then get up in front of a group of people and say, um, this is what we're doing and here's the 10-year plan and here's what it's going to look like and let's get all the pieces in a row and we can make it happen. Um, I've tried to just carry what has been true, I think, in Scripture and true of my own life on into the church in the way that I lead or, or practice as a pastor by saying primarily the question is, what is God doing right now amongst us? 
And what is our responsibility? What are we being called? How do we respond to what God is doing right now? And sometimes you get a little more distance out of that. You can see a little further down the road. Sometimes it really is just right now in this service. I always think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, his great book, Life Together, super short. It was He was writing it while he was talking about community in the seminary, the underground seminary he was leading in Nazi Germany. And he's got this great uh, this great section, and I think it's the second chapter, where he says, God hates visionary dreaming. And he goes on to explain, because it makes the man proud, and it sets him up to start making demands of God and demands of his people. And then he says that when it doesn't come about, we end up blaming ourselves, blaming God, or blaming people. The whole thing just turns into conflict. And I see that happen so often. Again, well-meaning. We have a big cause, a big purpose, a big vision, a big plan. And maybe by God's own doing, that doesn't happen on the the speed we want it to or the way we want it to. And we're so desperate to hold on to this vision, this image, that we end up frustrated with God. We end up frustrated with the people we're trying to lead. I think one of the big side effects of this is we start viewing the people we pastor as uh, resources or tools that we can sort of line up to help this engine, this church, accomplish more. And we stop taking them seriously as people. And so what I've tried to do is just do what I've practiced in my own life. How do I take seriously the people God has in front of me? How do I stop dreaming about the people I want to be there and actually embrace the people God has put there, pastor them, steward them well? How do I sense what God is doing and respond to that in this place, the way the church is right now, faithfully? And through that, I think, like in my own life, I've been able to find a deep sense of contentment in in who the church is and what the church is doing. And I think for a lot of the people who attend the church, they sense the same sort of thing, a a sort of uh, dependence on what God is doing in our midst right now. And it's really freed me up being bivocational, especially. It's given me the freedom to just enjoy what God is doing, to sort of move a little slower and just uh, to experience what happens as it comes and not be desperate in the middle of it, which has been a real gift for the way that we've done ministry. And I love that. I do think that is, um, I think that's a vital thing that pastors should learn to do more in our visioning age, where I think leadership is almost like secular leadership has become our main model for the church. And, And a lot of that equates to um, vision casting, and so I, I think I think your your point is uh, well made. So what do you what do you feel then as a, as a pastor's duty to sort of instill those discipleship principles into its people? Well, I should probably say at the beginning too that part of part of these conversations, I always have to be careful. I have my own particular makeup as a person and my own particular makeup of giftings and calling. And so um, I think there are people out there, there are pastors who are gifted with the ability to sense maybe in, in longer time frames what God is doing and what he's leading and, and manage that, right, without it turning into desperation, without it turning into control. Part of it is learning where, where, where you operate, where God has gifted you, and embracing that. And so for me, <laughs> I, I just don't think I see very far down the road. Like I, I, I tend to, to see what God is doing in the next couple of steps, maybe not 20 or 30 of them down the road. And so embracing that and being okay with that. That's who I am. It's who I'm going to be as a pastor. Um, so a big part of that is is living that honestly before your people, which there's always a balance here about um, how much transparency I show, but a willingness to show that this is lived. Um, the same sort of contentment I'm trying to practice in leading the church is also something that should show up in my own life and my own faith, my own spirituality, and and constantly, you know, asking my wife and I will have this conversation. I'll ask her Sundays driving home quite a bit. 
uh, am I the same person? <laughs> Was I the same person today in church that you know I am when I'm not in church? Uh, and constantly making sure that that's true, that you, you are who you are spiritually. You're bringing that with you. And so that puts a responsibility on you as a pastor to be growing um, because you know that you only have what you've grown into. And so you bring that with you as you come into pastor. But I think a big part of it is just uh, we need people, and I think pastors are the best position to do it, who can live in this world and live in this culture right now and not embrace the hysteria, not get caught up in the race, not be desperate, not be constantly fighting and pushing, and, and people who know how to live Sabbath, people who know how to quiet themselves. I don't always get this right. Those kind of people, and I think pastors are best to do it, we need them right now to remind us that there's more going on in the world around us than just what drives so much of the work and so much of the busyness. Somebody has to stand in and say, God is actively doing something, and what matters most is the attention that we give to it and the way we respond to it with our lives. I think in many ways that's probably what Samson's call ultimately was in the first place, right? As, uh, as what was supposed to be a Nazarite was to, to be set apart even more so than the set apart community of Israel. And so um, I think that's a good uh, full circle wrap up of the uh, of the podcast. Yeah, you're right. He's he uh, he's supposed to be an example of the deepest form of commitment and all the strange like hair and not touching dead bodies. All of those are just supposed to be outward signs of a work that's deepening, a faith that's deepening inside of him. And the irony, of course, of his story is he's the most shallow inside. All of his strength is exterior and just weakness inside. Yeah, we want to flip that. How do we be more committed and find inner strength to really keep these commitments God has before us? That's a good way of summing it up. Thanks for that, Chase. It's so encouraging to know that we're not alone, that even great men like Samson have struggled with putting too much stock on their external strengths, what people see on the outside. And it's a good reminder that if we are striving for growth, if we're striving for a deep relationship with God, that we have to focus on our inner lives, not just what people think about us on the outside. And it's very easy to fall into that trap of keeping up appearances. And that's why I love your insights on the story of Samson. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date on all that's happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And don't forget to check out the last chapter in our conversation with Chase, where he talks about rest and its value as a spiritual discipline.